Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And he brought us out. Everybody say out. That he might bring us in. Everybody say in. To give us the land. Tonight I want to preach from this thought brought us out to bring us in brought us out to bring us in I believe there's destiny for somebody in this house tonight oh come on clap your hands if you believe it come on give him praise all over this sanctuary oh hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to tell you tonight, today that God wouldn't bring you in without bringing you out. He wants to bring you in to a promise. He wants to bring you in to hope. He wants to bring you in to destiny. He wants to bring you in to abundant life. He wants to bring you in to blessings and good things. But before he can bring us in to those things, he's got to bring us out of some things. There is some things in our lives that we've got to let go of if we want to go in to what God has for us. Can I get a witness in the house tonight? You can't go in until you've gone out. You can't go into the promised land until you leave Egypt. I said you can't go into the promised land until you leave Egypt. Oh, I wish I could get somebody to help me in this house tonight. I know it's Tuesday night, but we don't have dry dead services even on Tuesday nights. Sorry, Mr. Devil. Nice try, but not here. He's going to, in order to bring you in to new life, in order for you to become a new creature, you've got to walk into the waters of baptism. And when you go down in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, if you here tonight haven't been baptized, let me tell you, you've got to be baptized. You can't go in until you've gone through the water and come out the water. You know, over the last number of weeks, I've had the privilege of listening to the Bible, and I've listened, uh, I found, I'm telling you, I found a gold mine, I found a treasure. I was going to post it on Instagram, my stories, but I just hadn't had a chance. But uh, a famous British uh, actor has recorded the entire Bible, and oh my goodness, I've just, it's just been, been amazing, and I love it because uh, he doesn't stop with chapters and verses or, or headers, it's just read completely through. In fact, uh, last year, um, 
David Suchet, the, 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 the man, he's, he uh, went to uh, Westminster Abbey and he read the entire Gospel of John in one setting. It's two hours and I think 30 minutes or so, two hours and 25 minutes. And I listened. I didn't stop. I didn't get distracted on other things. I listened through the whole thing. And I, tears streaming down my face. I'm kind of digressing, but we'll get where we're going. But just to listen to the whole book at one setting was just so powerful. And then that addicted me. So I listened to the Gospel of Mark in one setting. And, uh, and, and then I started listening to the Old Testament. I found out he had recorded the Old Testament. Started listening to the Old Testament. And as I was listening through uh, the, 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 the scriptures and these first uh, few books of the Bible, it struck me how everything in the Old Testament was a type or a shadow of something that was to come in the New Testament. And of course, we know if you've been here any length of time, if you've studied your Bible, you know Paul talks about it that we're given examples and, and he uses these Old Testament examples. Even Jesus in his teachings uses Old Testament examples to explain new ideas and concepts that are, that are grounded and founded in the Old Testament. But it just struck me again as I listened through thinking about how the, the, the process of Israel leaving Egypt and going to the promised land was a type and a shadow of a person who is in bondage in the world, in sin. And when they come to the Red Sea, to the waters of baptism, and they go down in the waters of baptism, they go down into the Red Sea, when they come up on the other side, something changes in their life. Also, the same type is used in the Jordan River, when, when Israel, after 40 years of, of wandering in the wilderness, when they left that Sinai Peninsula, when they left that, that place of wandering, and they left Kadesh Barnea, and they set out for the Promised Land, they passed through the Jordan River. The same miracle that happened at the Red Sea happened at the Jordan River. And when they passed through the Jordan River, they passed into their promised land. And what a type and shadow of what happens in a person's life when you repent of your sins, when you get delivered from the bondage of sin, you go down in the waters of baptism and you come up a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the scripture says, all things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. So there's some things that have to take place. There's some things that must take place I think about what Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 9, year chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out. Everybody shout out. Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you want the light... If you want the, the easy yoke and the light burden, if you want the overflowing life, the abundant life, 
If you want your burdens removed, if you want your sin removed, if if you want the condemnation off of your back, if you want all of these things, let me tell you what you have to do first. You've got to be brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. I just want to, I want to firmly declare it tonight. You can't just decide I'm going to go to this church because I like the people. You can't just come to church and think, well, I'm saved because, uh, because I clap my hands or I come down the front and, and, and I, 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 I pray or, or maybe you've repented of your sins, but you haven't been baptized or maybe you've been baptized, but you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues I want to tell you tonight you can't become a member of this church by just coming you can't become you can't just say well I like the music I like the singing I like the building I like the people and think you're getting by or think that you're a a member if you will of the church I'm going to tell you tonight plainly and emphatically that until you repent of your sins, until you have been baptized in the name of Jesus, until you have received the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, you are not a member of His church. You're not a part of His body. When you are buried in Christ in baptism and come out of baptism, that is when you become a part of the body of Christ. I want to tell you tonight, you've got to be brought out of some things in order to be brought into some things. God help us tonight. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Wherefore, come out. Everybody say, come out. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I want us, this scripture is so important. It's a New Testament scripture. And there's some things you've got to, you've just got to come out from. You've got to get out of it. You've got to be separated. But let's look for a few moments here tonight at the context of the scripture. The scripture preceding, the scriptures preceding this passage are speaking of being unequally yoked. In fact, the apostle Paul says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You can't be hitched up with unbelievers. This is not in the context of marriage, although it applies to marriage. It's not in the context of a romantic relationship, although it applies to a romantic relationship. And we still believe that young men and women of this church should date young men and women of the, of the faith and of the truth. Well, mamas and daddies... Hey, you don't flirt to convert. That will never work. There's a few exceptions, but it's only the grace of God. It's not the rule. Sorry. 
And so the Apostle Paul tells us not to be unequally yoked, not to be unequally connected. That's the reason you've got to be careful, your friend group. Eat all the more with, with social media and the way we interact with other people through technology. You better be careful who you're yoked with. You better be careful who you're connected with. You better be careful who's influencing you. You better be careful whose voice you're listening to. Let me tell you, if, if, if it wasn't influential and if it didn't have an effect on people, people wouldn't use those mediums. But people understand that, that, that through social media, through texting and through uh, all of these all of these technological ways that we can connect with one another and influence each other. I want to tell you tonight, I, I, as your pastor, I'm encouraging you be very careful the interactions you have. Be careful that you're not becoming unequally yoked with unbelievers. The scripture says, how can two walk together unless they agree? There's got to be an agreement. The only agreement we can have is those in whom we have agreement with that are baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, repented of their sins, and living a holy, godly, separated life. But I realize this isn't popular. I realize this won't get me any more followers on Instagram. But you know what? That's not why I'm here. That's not my purpose. I'm not a social media I'm not, a, I'm not an internet pastor. I'm a, a pastor of this local church. And I'm here to still preach to the people that call this church your home and tell you, you better be careful who you're connected with. Help us, Holy Ghost. Hey, I don't preach for sound bites. I'm not going to preach cliche little, little, little catchy phrases and statements that you can write down on your tweet, on your tweet and everybody like it and, 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 and uh, go and, and whatever you call it. <laughs> Repost it. Retweet. There we go. Thank you, Benson. That's not the purpose of what we're doing. Hey, I'm here. My, I'm serious about this. I'm here to see you saved. I'm here to see you get into the promised land. And, and you know, I know, and, and I was going to address this, but I'll just do it now. But I understand that we sing songs about Chili Jordan and, and we liken that as going into heaven. But that's not, that's not the only way you can see it. I'm not going to say it's the the wrong way to see it, but it's not the only way to see it. I would, I would, I would say tonight that the, the best way to see walking across Jordan, going through Jordan, is going into your promised land, living an overcoming life, living a life that is abundant, living a life that flows with milk and honey. Hey, I just want to tell you, I want to come against every spirit that tells you you can't be blessed if you serve God. I want to come against every poor me, pitiful me mentality that would try to come into our minds and attack our minds and tell us if I live for God, 
I won't ever be this. I won't ever have this. Let me tell you, it is God's will for you to live in promise. It's God's will for you to live in destiny. It's God's will for you to live in abundance. Somebody shout abundance. It's his will. It's his will for you to live in abundance. So you got to be careful how you become yoked with somebody. Don't be yoked with unbelievers. Notice the stark contrast. For what fellowship? The ESV set uses the word partnership. It's closer to the original word. What partnership hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Notice these contrasts. They're stark. Righteousness, unrighteousness. That word there can be interpreted lawlessness. Light and darkness. And what concord, or the ESV says accord, or agreement, hath Christ with Belial? Belial is just another word to, to say Satan. What accord, what agreement hath Christ with Satan. And what part or what portion hath he that believeth with an infidel? What portion, what part hath the believer with the unbeliever? And what agreement hath the temple of God? Notice these contrasts, these polarities. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? So Paul is saying, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And furthermore, I want to show you, the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, I want you to see this stark contrast, this difference between, uh, between these two things, righteousness and unrighteousness, light and darkness, Christ and Satan, believer, unbeliever. Temple of God, temple of idols. And then Paul says, for ye, everybody say, I am. Amen. Come on, point to yourself and say, I am. Amen. Oh, I love Tuesday night. Amen. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. The Old Testament text that lies behind this passage is found in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 11 and 12. It also echoes the passages in Jeremiah 32, 28 and Ezekiel 37 and 27. Leviticus 26, 11 says, And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and will be your God and ye shall be my people. Again, think about what the scripture is saying. He is saying, I will dwell in them and walk in them. That Greek preposition in them also can mean among or with, but it's better to use in them or in 
as opposed with because of this. Paul is appearing to extend that imagery here to involve God as spirit dwelling in his people. It's the same imagery that he uses in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 when he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in you. In Ephesians 2, 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So Paul is saying literally what God is speaking to him to write. And he is writing, I will dwell in them. God will dwell in you. And walk in you because you are the temple. You are the habitation of his presence. Verse 17, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Come out from among them. Everybody say come out. Come out from among them. And be ye separate. This is, this scripture comes from Isaiah's words. That's the beautiful thing about your Bible. Most of your New Testament scripture is founded in the Old Testament. Isaiah 52, 11. Depart ye, depart ye. Go ye out from thence. Touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. In verse 18, Paul says, And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That has reference to Joel's prophecies of his spirit being poured out upon all flesh, sons and daughters. Paul paraphrases from Ezekiel 20 and verse 41 in verse 18 there. And then... Our our Bible is is divided into chapters and verses, but really verse 1 of chapter 7 goes with this this piece of Scripture. Verse 1, having therefore these promises, or since we have these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness or defilement of the flesh and Spirit. Do you realize you got to keep your flesh clean and you got to keep your spirit clean? You know what the problem with a lot of apostolics is? We know how to keep our flesh clean. We can look the part, we can wear the right clothes, we can say the right thing in church, but when we leave, our spirits are defiled with bitterness, hatred. Paul is telling us to cleanse ourselves of all defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That sounds kind of like performance, but it's not performance. Because if you look a little deeper, you're going to see that word perfecting means to accomplish or accomplishing or completing. So the idea is that as you cleanse your flesh and your spirit, 
you are completing, you are accomplishing holiness out of fear of God or reverence of God. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I just don't feel like I've arrived or I don't feel like I'm where I want to be. Well, let me tell you, as long as you keep cleansing your flesh and your spirit, you are accomplishing I preached it back at the beginning of the year. Praise God for small victories. Praise God for every step in the right direction you take. Well, what about the balcony helping me tonight? You are accomplishing holiness. You You are completing holiness. You are perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So tonight, in order to for him to bring us in, he's got to bring us out. There's some things you just got to leave in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, this the apostle Paul likens this Christian journey to a race. And when you're a runner, every ounce counts. That's why they wear the lightest shoes. And unfortunately, the least amount of clothing. Because every ounce counts. I've seen a lot of Christians, man, they're like pack mules. They're weighted down. Come on, talk to me, somebody. They're weighted down. They got everything on their back. They've allowed all this stuff to get in their spirit. Bitterness, strife, hatred, unbelief, lack of faith. And and they just get so weighted down that they can't even walk. They can't move. They can't run with patience the race that's set before them. Hey, brothers and sisters, We've got to shed everything in order for him to bring us in. This is an Old Testament. This is an Old Testament idea. Think about it with me. In Exodus 32, uh, Moses is on, on the mountains of Sinai. He's receiving the tablets of stone, the laws of God, that Decalogue, those first ten commandments, the core, the fundamental of Judaism and would-be Christianity. He he is receiving that that first part, uh, important encounter with God. God is there. He's writing with his finger on that tablet. I don't know how that all works or what all was happening but somehow or another it was being etched and it wasn't Moses writing that he comes down and he hears the commotion of false god worship he hears the people shouting and dancing and and jumping and committing sexual sins if you read it you'll see it it's there it was more than just uh, a false god service where they were clapping and dancing and, and jumping to, to a, 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 a false beat or false god. But they were committing 
gross sin at that moment. Moses sees what's happening. He sees the calf that has been been molted out of out of uh, the, the the jewelry and the gold from from the Israelites. He sees the idolatry with his own eyes. He's so upset. He's so overcome with it that listen what he does. The Bible says in Exodus 32 and 20, and he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it into powder and strawed it or poured it into the water. And he made the children of Israel drink of it. Now, a few years ago, the Lord gave me this and it was this. That's the reason we don't wear jewelry on the outside of our bodies because the treasure's on the inside. You don't need the bling when you got the bling on the inside. Well, what about the rest of you? Do we still preach against jewelry in this church? We're not going to wear it. I don't care what other apostolics do. That's not what we're doing here. But even beyond just that, even beyond that, think about it with me. Think about the weight of that jewelry. Think about the weight of that calf. I don't know how large it was. It must have been large enough that Moses could see it as he descended the mountain. Think about the weight of that. God knew that Israel would never make it into the promised land holding on to some things. They had to let go of some things. I'm going to tell you tonight, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. If you, if you want to be brought in, you've got to be brought out. And if you're going to be brought out, you've got to lay some things down. Tonight, I'm preaching to a congregation filled with beautiful saints of God, new people, new believers, the people here visiting here tonight. I'm preaching to all of us. If we want to, for Him to bring us in, if we want the abundant life, if we want the milk and honey, if we want, if we want the houses we didn't build and the wells we didn't dig and the vineyards we did not plant, the olive trees we didn't plant, if we want the riches and the spoils that God has for us, you've got to come out of the wilderness. You've got to come out of Egypt. You can't stay in Egypt. And you can't stay in the wilderness. You've got to come out. You know, you know, one of the things, one of the greatest things, I preached a message a few years ago about learning to live liberated. When you've been a slave all your life, it's going to be difficult. A slave to sin, when you've been a slave to sin all your life, it's going to be difficult when you get free. And, and when I think about, about the wilderness experience, think with me for a moment. It took an entire generation dying. The weight of an entire generation had to go into the grave before Israel could be brought in 
to where God wanted them to be. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be left behind. And think with me, more than jewelry, more than idol worship, more than all of these things that Israel dealt with, and they dealt with all of it, murmuring, backbiting, complaining, but the greatest thing they dealt with, the greatest weight that they dealt with was unbelief. Just simply not being able to believe that God would do what he said. And you know, in my in my opinion here tonight, it's the same today. Out of everything people deal with, I think the greatest thing we deal with on a constant basis is unbelief. Well, I know you can hide behind your Patty Pentecostal face today, but I still know what happens on Monday morning when you wake up. When you get the bill or you get the text or you get the get the call or get the news or deal with the struggle, deal with the problem, deal with the temptation. And we can become so clouded, so weighted down with unbelief, we really start thinking, God, I, I know I hear them tell the testimony, 52 day fast and God does all these miracles. And I know that people, they give their tithe and offering and, and, and but here I am in this situation and I'm not seeing what I want to see. I don't want to. I haven't seen the blessings that I want to see. I haven't seen the victories I want to see. And we can become so weighted down with unbelief that God can't bring us in. Do you realize the wilderness was a test? Everybody say test. The wilderness was a test. At the most. Man, I'm way off my notes, but that's okay. At the most, Israel was only supposed to stay in the wilderness two years at the most. And really, it could have been a shorter journey than that. And they drug out a two-year process into 40 years. 38 additional years they spent. Why? Because they never could wrap their minds around the fact that God would do what he said he would do. Here's the issue with Christianity. We've so taken the strings off to the point where all you have to do is have this little feel-good feeling and, and, and we, 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 we've, we've made it to where it's just this little emotional experience but there's no depth. But I'm going to tell you tonight... That you've got to have the faith to believe God enough to lay down all the weights, all the sins, all the fears, all the doubts. got to have the faith you want the promised land he'll bring you in he will bring you in let me read from Deuteronomy 28 the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure the heaven to give the rain and unto thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thine hand And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. 
And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only. Everybody say only. And thou shalt not be beneath. Listen to this. If that thou hearken unto the commandment. People want to tell you, oh, well, you don't have, there's no, there's no strings attached in Christianity. You don't have to change the way you live. You don't have to do anything. Just grace, 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 grace. Let me tell you something. When you receive his grace, it makes you want to keep his commandments. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God. We shout about being the head, not the tail. We dance, sing, and run about being above only and not beneath. But the way we get there is hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. Verse 14, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. I want to tell you tonight, you have a purpose. You have a destiny. Of course, we understand heaven is the ultimate reward. But God wants to carry you in to the promised land. He wants you to live in promise. Live in a place of abundance. Live in a place of joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament example of God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt is a fitting example that should speak to us about God's plan. Our text tonight, Deuteronomy 6 and 23, He brought them out of Egypt in order to bring them in to their inheritance and promised land. Listen, He didn't just deliver them from the bondage and tyranny of, of Egypt but plan to bring them into a land of blessing, fruitfulness, and victory. That didn't mean there wasn't work involved. They had to conquer the land. They had to subdue the land. But He gave them the power to do it. And He is giving you. In the same way, He didn't just bring us out of a life of bondage and slavery of sin and the curse of Satan, but He's also brought us in to a life of blessing, fruitfulness, and victory in Christ. We have a spiritual inheritance in Christ that not only takes care of our future in eternity in heaven, but also in the here and now, in this present age. Now this is what's worth noting is that one of the elements that produced the victories for the favor for the children of Israel's exit out of Egypt and into their promised land was God's favor. Everybody say favor. They received favor on their way out. 
In fact, Exodus 12, 36, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. But they also received favor on their entrance in. Psalm 44 is a psalm of Korah. It's from the days of the Exodus. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their their days, in the times of old. How thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. I want to tell you tonight, that's the most beautiful part of all of this. It is God's favor. Everybody say God's grace. It is God's grace. It's his favor. Come to the music that will bring us in to where God has for us to go. Brothers and sisters, if you're living in a wilderness, if you're living in a hard time, if you're living in a challenging situation that's extended, that's going on forever, if you keep hitting the same wall, if you keep doing the same things, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same things and expecting different results. If you keep doing the same things and keep getting this, the, the results that you don't want, you may need to look, take a moment, stop, and say, am I living in the wilderness or am I living in the promised land? Now that doesn't mean there aren't going to be hard times. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have challenging situations. That doesn't mean that because you are in the promised land that you no longer have to battle with fear and doubt and unbelief and that you don't have to do anything. Remember, just because they walked across that Jordan didn't mean they just sat back in an easy chair or reclined in a lounge chair off on the beach with the waves licking their feet and said, you know what, this is just a good life. But they had to do something. They had to, they had to make conquests. They had to march into that land militant, determined, ready to defeat the enemy. But God was with them. He gave them the favor. Brothers and sisters, the grace that God gives you, it's not grace just to relax. Just sit back and say, well, if it comes to me, it comes to me. The favor of God, the grace of God is is what gives you the ability to do what you need to do. It's the power. It's all connected with the pneuma, with the Spirit of God. His Spirit in us, walking in us, is His favor. Oh, hallelujah. I can shout right now. Many times God brings us out. There's a lot of us. We've been brought out, but we just haven't been brought in to where God wants us. We're living in that no man's land. We're living 
in that place between being brought out and him bringing us in. We're living in that valley of decision, if you will, that wilderness. We're living in that place. But God's desire is to bring you in. To bring you in. Everybody say, bring you in. It's his desire to bring you in. Hey, God's idea for us is so much greater than we can imagine. I mean, he said he would do exceeding abundantly above all we can think or ask. According to the power that's working in us. His ideas, his imagination is so much greater than us. We can't even fully comprehend what God wants to do for us. And yet, some of us are stuck in this place. We've been brought out, and we're kind of like Israel. Man, I wish I had the onions. I wish I had the garlic. We start romanticizing. Oh, God help us. We start romanticizing the bondage and slavery of Egypt. I had it better back then. I've actually had people tell me that. Well, my life was just a lot easier before I started trying to do right. Well, of course, duh. The devil's not going to fight you when you're not doing right. But it's his will for you to be brought out and for him to bring you in. It's his will. It's his will. Oh, I'm going to preach it till you believe it tonight. It's his will, Brother Kenny Holland. It's his will. It's his will, Brother Roger Fraley. It's his will to bring you in to great possessions, to fruitfulness, to abundance, to abundance, to life overflowing, to milk and honey, to sweet waters. Listen to me for a moment. Some of us mistake the miracle of the moment for the the permanence of the promised land. Think with me for a moment. The miracle of the moment was God told Moses, strike the rock and the waters are going to gush forth. That was just temporary. That was for the wilderness. He's going to give you some miracles along the way in your wilderness. He did it twice in Meribah. He did it again. Now Moses didn't do it right. He struck the rock when he wasn't supposed to. But two times God let water gush from a rock. But it was just a temporary solution, temporary fix. He's going to give you some miracles in your wilderness. You're going to have some opportunities where you're going to know without a shadow of doubt, you know what, God is on my side. He's working for me. See, some of you, Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm walking in a divine lane right now. Some of us are mistaken. We have a few miracles along the way. And we're so confused. We think, well, you know, God did this. And and then six months, a year later, he does this. But all through that time, we're just in this wilderness. And it's hot. And it's it's dry. And it's barren. And it's not where we, we just... We get some breakthroughs, but they're short-lived. 
Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, there's going to be some miracles in the wilderness. You're going to get manna. You'll get quail. You'll get some water from a rock. But that's not the end. That's not the destiny. That's not the inheritance. That's not the promise. Your short-term fix is not God's promise for your life. The band-aid is not God's promise. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody in this house. God wants to take the band-aid off and to heal you completely. He wants to make you whole. He wants to get you into the promised land, into your inheritance. Where are the warriors tonight? Where are the men and women that say, I'm willing to lay aside every weight. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll get rid of whatever it takes to get rid of. I'll lay it all down. I'll give it all up. I'm really, I'm ready to come out. But I'm really, 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 really ready to be brought in. I want to go in. I want to go in. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your hands. Come on, I want you to receive the word I'm preaching to you. Hey, it's not enough to have water at Meribah. It's not enough to just have water gush from a rock one time, two times. It's God's will for you to live in a land that has rivers flowing through it. I said it's God's will for you to live in a land that has rivers flowing through it. It's His will for you to live in a land where milk and honey are flowing. How'd I make the switch? Well, you gotta cross the Jordan. And you gotta get in there. And you gotta fight. And you gotta go to war. You're gonna face your Jericho. But God's going to give you the directions. He's going to give you. I'm preaching to someone. I'm prophesying to someone. He's going to give you the directions for what to do. It may seem stupid to the world. It may seem simple. It may seem nonsense and foolish for you to march around seven times. And on the seventh day, seven times. But don't doubt God. Don't be filled with unbelief. You do what he tells you to do and the walls will fall flat. Don't stay in the wilderness. Don't be content with the water gushing from the rock. It's temporary. He wants you to live in the land of promise. He wants you to live in the overflow, in the abundance. I heard someone say today, was reading actually, I read it. The guy was writing, he said, he said, I've decided I'm not singing the song, Fill My Cup, Lord, anymore. He said, think about how insulting it is to hold a cup up to God. How insulting to say, fill my cup, like you're a beggar on some street in Charles Dickens' story. Get rid of the cup. Open up the barn doors. Say, God, fill it up. 
it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. Hey, he said he would bless us and it would be pressed down, shaken together. And oh, you didn't hear me. It'll be running over. I want to live in the overflow. I want to live in the overflow. I want to live in the promised land. I want to live in the abundance. And here we grapple and fuss and bicker and fight. Well, do we really have to do that? Really have to give that up? I can't do that. Can't go there. I mean, think about how silly we sound to a God that is infinite, to a God that has no right or left. I mean, he's, he's everywhere. A God that spans the universe and then some. And here we are bickering, fussing, fighting, feuding, complaining, murmuring about little things God asks us to do. I mean, think about it. How little some of the things are that we fight and fuss and argue about, stampede about. Oh, help us tonight. Get over the little stuff. Brothers and sisters, there's abundance. There are rivers waiting to gush forth. waiting to gush forth there's rain God has it in the heavenlies he's just waiting on you he's waiting on you he's ready to pour the rain out he's ready get out of the wilderness get out of the wilderness let him bring you out and let him bring you in let him bring you in. Come on, I want you to lift your hands all over this house. God is speaking a prophetic word to this church. Come on. Come on, I want you to pray it. God, help me get rid of cup mentality. Help me to get rid of a little old me mentality. Help me to get rid of a murmuring spirit. Help me, God. I want to cleanse all the defilement. I want to cleanse all the filthiness out of my flesh and out of my spirit. (laughs) God, I want to get every bit of the junk and the crud out of my mind. If that means I got to get rid of some things, social media, I'll do it. I'll quit watching Hollywood, even if it's in 30-second clips on YouTube. I'll quit doing all this junk. I'll shave. I'll lay it down. I'll give it up. I'll take it off and put on a garment of praise. I'll do whatever it takes. I just want to go in. I just want you to bring us in. Oh, come on, all over this room. God is speaking to this church. Come on, if you're here tonight and you're stuck on the other side of the Jordan, tonight's your night. Let God take it. Repent of your sins. 
be buried with him in baptism and come up on the right side of the Jordan. Come up into the new land. Come on, lift your hands, open your mouth. Come on, church. Come on, I'm going to press you just a little bit. Come on, come on. Come on, press. Push your flesh. I know it's Tuesday. I know you got up early. I did too. Come on. Come on. Push your flesh. Push your flesh. Push your flesh. I want to go in. Bring me in. Bring me in. Bring me in. Bring me in. Come on, come on, come on, come on. limits off right now. Come on, I want you to do it. Reach up, just grab them. Take the limits off. Come on. Stop putting God in your little box. Come on. Come on. You say, well, you don't know. Pastor, you don't understand. You don't know where I'm at financially. You don't understand what I'm going through. No, I do understand. What you need to understand is God has something greater. God has something more. God wants to do something for you. Come on. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. Now watch my God. Hold on. I'm not ready for you. Hey, let me tell you something else. The psalmist said, he wrote a whole psalm. He said, I see the wicked prospering. Hey, the wicked prosper too. Believe it or not, there are wealthy people that don't believe in God. There's just some people, there are people that they're not rich toward God. Oh, they hoard it all up themselves. Oh, I'm preaching in this house. I'm gonna crush every head of Satan, every spirit, every demonic spirit that come against this church. Don't think because the wealthy prosper that they're gonna get by. They can buy the new houses, cars. Oh, yeah. They can shoot up all the way up the Forbes 500 list. They can get, they can, hey, they can have it all. They can even mock God. That's what the psalmist talked about. But he said, then I went to the house of God. And when I went to God's house, everything became right. 
everything came back into orientation. Everything became in alignment. And I realized they may get by, they may be prospering now, but they will, their end will not be prosperous. I'm going to tell you tonight, don't look at those that are prospering that aren't following the principles of your Bible. You follow the good, the people, hallelujah, that have been blessed beyond imagination. You know what? That's the reason why we have a personal growth class every Monday night. It's not just to take up an evening of your life. It's to inspire you. You hear testimonies from men and women who God has blessed with exceeding great riches. They're telling their story. They're telling how they do it. But really at the end of the day, it's just another testimony to show you that the wealthy of the world and the foolish and the wicked, they may get by a little bit. But eventually... All gonna pass away, but let me tell you what's gonna be different about the people of the name, the people that love the Lord, that follow the principles of the Word of God. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. You know what happens? There's a transferal. You don't just you don't just you're not just blessed down on earth. I'm talking about when you are rich toward God, when you follow His Word, when you live holy lifestyle. When you serve Him with all of your heart, when you follow His commandments, you obey them, you observe them. I'm going to tell you, there's a transferal. The blessings that God gives you on earth, just transfer. And when you get to the other side, you're going to receive a crown of life. You're going to receive an incorruptible crown. problem with a lot of us is we lay aside we, 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 we accumulate it down here we do all this down here but it doesn't transfer because it's not what we, we're not doing it the way God wants us to do it we're not living the way God wants us to live, we're not walking according to his precepts and his statues brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm just going to tell you one more time, I, I realize I'm, I gotta stop but I'm just telling you, I, I, I get it, most of us are out, but God wants to bring us in. But the only way we get there is by doing the will of God, walking according to His Word, allowing His Spirit to live inside of us. That's the answer for true blessings and wealth and riches. Hey, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad word. That's a good word. God has it for your life. He's got it for your home, for your family. He wants to bless you exceedingly. You got to walk according. You say, well, I, I'm doing it and it's not happening. It will. I said it will. You just keep being faithful. Keep walking with Him. Keep loving Him. Keep coming to the church. Signing your name in for prayer.
keep giving your tithe and offering. Keep coming down front, lifting your hands and worshiping God. Keep dressing modestly and holy. Keep on loving God. Keep the right spirit. Keep cleansing your flesh. Keep cleansing your spirit. And I promise you, God will not withhold his blessings from you. Come on, brothers and sisters, you're out. Now it's time to go in. It's time to let him bring us in. Bring us in, God. Bring us in. Come on, I want you to pray it. I'm finished. Come on, I want you to pray it. Lift your hands, lift your voices. Come on, pray it. God, bring me in. God, bring me in. God, bring me in.
us in this house. Come on, God's doing things in this place right now. Come on, join up with the neighbor. Come on. Come on. His will. He wants to bring you in. He wants to bring you in. He wants to bring you in. Come on, he wants to bring you in. It's his will. Let him bring you in. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Don't be filled with doubt. Stop you. Come on, let him do it. Let him bring you in.
It's his will to bring you in. It's his will to bring you in.